Evening, everyone. Um, we thought we'd just have one song at the beginning, and then I'll just share a little bit, and then we'll give the rest of the evening just to um, see what the Holy Spirit wants to do with us this evening. Um, so this uh, session, we're just looking at uh, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, whatever term you want to use, um, and just to sort of yeah, relay a bit of a foundation. We're very familiar with these things over many, many years as a church, but it felt good to us to go through this Life in the Spirit series just so that we can yeah, dust off the foundations a bit and say, right, let's, uh, let's just have a, let's have a fresh uh, opportunity for the Holy Spirit to do something new amongst us. And uh, in Acts 4, we find that even after the day of Pentecost, those who had originally encountered God in that upper room and those who'd heard Peter preach and then they'd come to know the Lord, they were baptized, they repented, they were baptized, baptized in the Spirit, baptized in water. Even then, a few chapters later, when there was some you know, pressure they were under, they prayed again, didn't they? And uh, it says the room where they were in was shaken, God visited them again. So we should be those who don't just look back to something that happened many years ago or you know, whenever, uh, but we should be expecting fresh visitations of the Holy Spirit because that's what we mean by life in the Spirit, don't we? We want to keep walking with him. So I just want to try and make it really easy tonight just so that we understand that what God wants to give us isn't, isn't difficult. Uh, the, ways, the ways of God are very simple, but they're not easy. This is slightly different. It's very simple. Uh, we just listen to what he said, believe his promises and things happen but it's not always easy because we put barriers in the way and we kind of overcomplicate it so I want to try and do as best as I can to make it very 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 simple tonight so just going back to the disciples in the upper room I'm not going to particularly look up all the scriptures tonight because I want to try and keep what I say quite short so you know look it up later all right if you're not, if you're not sure you know it is biblical I'll try and tell you roughly where it is in Acts and then you can look it up for yourself um, but in the upper room, when uh, the disciples were sort of locked there, locked away after Jesus had left them, gone back to heaven, and they were, you know, fearful, they were bewildered, confused, everything they thought was how it was going to pan out had changed. Uh, they just didn't know what to do. And uh, he said to them, no, stay there, stay there until... What, I, what I've promised, what you've heard me promise, is poured out upon you. So there they were, you know, waiting, praying, seeking God just before him. And then we know the, the, the account where suddenly there was this great rushing of the sound of this violent wind and tongues of fire came upon them and they, they spoke in tongues and they were, they, they were emboldened in God. They felt a strength they didn't have before. They had a clarity. Suddenly, things became clear that weren't sure. They weren't sure about. They were changed people because of this encounter. And then the day of Pentecost. Just really after that, they, they'd gone out. Peter preached. Uh, talk about a change in him. You know, someone who up until then had been someone who under pressure would deny that he knew the Lord. And then here he is, suddenly before thousands of people preaching and. Several thousand came to know the Lord. And uh, one verse I will just uh, uh, quote properly uh, is in Acts 2 where he's preaching to this, uh, this great crowd. 
And he talks about the Holy Spirit. Um, let's get the right verse. There we go. And Peter, when he's preaching, he says, uh, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise, and it's really important we just note what he called it there. For the promise is for you, that's for those who were hearing him then, for your children, in other words, for successive generations of those that were there, and for all who are far off. In other words, all that they would reach you know, with the gospel in, in their day and beyond. And then he says, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Now, that actually includes us, unless you're not part of everyone, but I think we all qualify. It, the promise is for everyone. So it wasn't just for those who first heard it. It's for us today. It's the same promise. And the thing is, it's a promise. It's something that uh, Jesus promises to his church that we will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, we're talking about there not, not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. So when we become Christians, Holy Spirit brings us to new birth. So the Holy Spirit is active in our lives from the beginning. You can't become a Christian unless the Holy Spirit brings you to new life. That's an act of God. It's a work of God. And um, you know, it says in the Scriptures, you can't even say Jesus is Lord unless the Holy Spirit has convinced you of that. So we're not talking about the, the indwelling of God where someone becomes a Christian is born again. We talk about the infilling of the Holy Spirit, which is more like, um, I suppose, what you might say, instead of a, like a glass which you fill with water and you think, well, it's either filled or it isn't. And it's a sort of a bit of a static image, isn't it? And sometimes we can think, well, am I filled with the Spirit? And if we have that sort of image, it's not always helpful. Whereas a better way of think- is of thinking, uh, or perhaps a more dynamic way, is about thinking like of the sails on a yacht. And when the wind is blowing in the sails, they fill, you know, fill the sails. The sails are full, and so they're driven along by this infilling of of the wind. And and it's like it, it, that's what the infilling of the Holy Spirit is for us. It's like empowerment. It's it's strength. It's something external to us that comes upon us and does something within us, so that we're propelled with ease into greater intimacy with God. Some of the fruits of this infilling are, uh, we, we, by the Spirit, we cry, Abba, Father. So there's a greater sense of our adoption in Christ that comes to us when the wind of the Spirit blows in our sails. We cry, Abba. The Spirit himself witnesses to our spirits, hey, I'm a child of God. That, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's one of the things that becomes amplified when the Holy Spirit really blows in in our sails it becomes a a stronger sound to us so we think yeah i really do feel the fatherhood of god um we become more emboldened with our faith and with our serving of the lord something i don't know we just have a greater passion to see people come to know the lord we we may not always be good at it but we know you know there's there's a greater um there's a greater sense of uh I don't know, freedom and desire and zeal for the Lord. When we're, the, more we're, the more the Holy Spirit blows in our lives, the more we feel that. And he equips us as well so that we can do things that naturally we wouldn't be able to. We exercise gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we looked at last time. 
And one of the things I always try to encourage uh, people uh, with is when, when we're asking to be filled with the Spirit, perhaps for the first time, we're asking for this, this infilling. Uh, just the gift of tongues is a very just simple uh, gift that is available, I believe, to everyone who wants it. Uh, it's not like you have to, but um, Paul said, you know, I'd love it if you all spoke in tongues. So if that's an apostolic encouragement from Paul, I think, well, can't be a bad thing then. Because he said, he, he who speaks in tongues edifies himself. In other words, you build yourself up. There's something going on supernaturally in you when you pray with this heavenly language that is just, you know, it's a gift from God. So I always try to encourage that kind of step because it's a practical step you can take to really sort of help help your confidence in what's happening. And then I think also the other thing that happens when we're filled when this is infilling, is we get a greater sense of intimacy uh, in our worship with God. It's, it's, uh, we get this sense of God's fatherhood, but we also are, are we just feel we want to worship. It, 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 um, it does something in us. So, so all of these things were going on. We see all of these things going on in, in the Acts where, uh, where uh, on the day of Pentecost and then... Um, and then subsequently from that, so whether it's the Apostle Paul, when he came to know the Lord as an individual, Ananias laid hands on him that he might be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He'd already come to know the Lord. Ananias baptized him in water. Then he, he laid hands on him. He said, receive the Spirit. So he got this indwelling. He fell off. Or he'd been knocked off his horse. He cries out, Lord. He, knows, you know, he came to know the Savior in that moment, but he's still confused. Ananias then baptizes him with water, lays his hands on him and says, Brother Saul, receive the Holy Spirit. You then find in, in Acts 8, where, uh, when the, the gospel goes to uh, Samaria, um, Paul and Barnabas, uh, people are sent down so, so that they might receive this Holy Spirit. When Peter goes to Cornelius' house in Acts 10, um, Peter's telling them the gospel, and before he's even finished preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on them, and they all you know, start speaking in tongues and praising God. And he then stays with them a few days to finish his message. Uh, and then he baptizes them in water. So it's different order sometimes it all happens in. Acts 19, there was some d- disciples there. They prayed for them. They said, we didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. So they, there's, you know, there's different, different accounts of it. Um, but what we, I think tonight, the important thing for us tonight and for us as a church is to make sure that we really prize... Um, this infilling of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, because it's part of our foundation as Christians. We have repentance, faith, baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit. Those are the four like um, legs of a chair, if you like, to give you good foundation for the Christian life. So that's what we wanted to look at them. So, so the question then is, how do we go back tonight, sort of, to press a bit of a reset and say, all right, Lord. Um, how do we prepare ourselves to be freshly filled with the Holy Spirit? Or perhaps some of you are relatively new believers and perhaps you've never, you know, um, heard, heard it like this or have been prayed for in that way. Well, it's a promise for you and it's a promise for all of us that um, the Holy Spirit wants to keep drawing near to us. So a few quick things. Um, Firstly, it's important we clear things out the way that uh, that might hinder uh, the Lord. Now, it's not that the, the Lord's looking for reasons why 
to hold back. But sometimes, for example, uh, I thought what um, David shared this morning about um, fear and about what was the other thing? That's it. So it's sort of gloom and fear. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, exactly. So it then has a knock on to sort of lack of expectation and all those sorts of things. So uh, it's about sort of sometimes if we recognize those things going on in our hearts to actually to very simply just bring them to the Lord. And I thought that was a great word, actually, and it needs applying. Uh, we were talking about that, weren't we, uh, this, this morning, so it just needs to be applied. And it's not like it's a, necessarily a massive sin or anything, but it's just like a bit, it can be a bit of a barrier. So we have to sort of come and say, well, I'm just going to lay that down, Lord, at the cross. Just lay my fear, lay my gloom, my sense of, oh, you know, I, am I done? Uh, 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 are you done with me? Just lay it down. Right. So that's, that's actually what repentance is. It's like saying, well, I'll just lay that down. It's not a big deal, but it's an important thing, right? It's an important thing. Or it can be that um, we need to also make sure that we're doing the things that God has asked us to do. So if we, I don't know, if he's asked us to, to be obedient in some way and we're just not, we're holding back, it's important tonight to say, right, Lord, that thing that you've asked me to do, uh, I'm going to do it. Um, I don't know, yeah, it might be any one of a number of things. So it's important we, we clear the decks as best we know. And I always say to people, don't go digging for stuff, you know, because if there's things that the Lord wants to talk to us about, he'll always, he'll always you know, he doesn't, he doesn't um, as, I, as I've often said, he doesn't speak, uh, he speaks to the feller in the cellar, not the fanatic in the attic, right? So uh, often, often when I say things like that, people go, oh, there's something wrong with me. What have I got to do? What have I got to repent of? No, no that's fanatic in the attic. Uh, if, if there's something that the Lord's working through with you, then it'll be a settled thing. And, and actually, it makes you feel better when you've done it. It doesn't make you feel condemned. It makes you feel light and free. And Oh, thank goodness that's gone. You know, it's not a, it's not a heavy thing. Um, then the next thing is we have to make sure that when Jesus... When, well, when, as we read in Acts, um, it says, you know, the promise is for you. This is such a big deal. It's that, just that fact. When God promises something, that means it, it's yours by right. It's not a, well, this, perhaps if I pray in the right way or we create the right atmosphere or, you know, we say the right words or it's, you know, there's a bit of atmosphere created and something might happen. You know, no, it's, this is a promise. It's a promise. And actually, it's all to do with faith. The only thing that can hinder it is actually not believing that the truth is a promise, <laughs> you know, rather than anything else. So tonight, here's a good question. Do, do we all tonight really honestly think, I know God has promised he wants to meet with me? Because that's a really important question just to answer for ourselves, isn't it? Because if we're thinking, no, there, he said the promise is for you, for, for your children, for all who are far, for all who the Lord our God will call. That's, that's us. So there's a promise tonight that when we, when we, in a few minutes, give some space to the Holy Spirit, he will come among us. I can guarantee that. Why? Because there's a promise. There's a promise. So I don't know what he's going to do. Uh, and I want to just give as much space as possible to see what he wants to do. I don't want to 
prescribe. Say, so, well, Lord, it's over to you now. We'll, 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 um, we'll see where you want to take us. Then John 7.37, the next thing that's really important is Jesus said, um, if a man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. By this he meant the Holy Spirit, whom those were, who believed in him were later to receive. So we have to be thirsty. God won't force himself. And I, again, you've probably heard me say several times, if you think to yourself, well, I'm not really sure I'm thirsty. I'm not, I'm not sure I'm longing for the Lord in that way. Well, then long for the longing. And if you think, well, I don't know if I'm really longing for the longing. Well, long to, long to have the longing. You know, however far back you want to go, start with where you are. Just start with where you are. And you might think, well, I've got nothing left. No, well, long that you might have enough just to make the next step. That's all he's after. Thirst doesn't have to be raging, parched. You know, it can just be, you know, I just need a, I need a, need a drink, Lord. All right, so we've got to be thirsty. If you're switched off, you think, well, I'm not really bothered. There's nothing else I want to watch on the telly. That's why I'm here. Well, that, that's, you're unlikely to encounter something, although I wouldn't rule it out. You might get knocked off your horse. Um, but but it's, let's not make it difficult for the Lord. You know, just make it easy by having hearts that are just thirsty. It's thirsty. Want, want him. And then we have to ask, uh, in Luke eleven thirteen. I think this one's really quite important, uh, and it's partly to do with the sort of promise as well, where it says, um, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And at some point this evening, it's good for all of us to actually ask the, ask the Holy Spirit, would you come and fill me afresh? Would you visit us? Would you, would you come to me afresh, Holy Spirit? Just to ask. And, uh, you know, we can go back to the Lord and say, well, you know, it says somewhere else, if you ask for bread, he's not going to give you a snake. Right? So he will give, you can trust him. Uh, whatever happens, you can trust him. If you ask Jesus, in Jesus' name, for the Holy Spirit, you can trust him that what he does is going to be bread. It's not going to be a snake. It's not going to be something to harm you. It will be, you know, it will, it will do you good. It will, it will feed you. Um, and then the last thing is just to, um, is to receive uh, and to step out. And often I find one of the real key challenges when you pray for when praying for people is sometimes people wait for something to happen and sometimes things do happen tangibly you feel emotion or you feel some bodily sensation or i don't know you might get some sense of um, nearness of god or or, or or deeper worship there may be something that's going on but sometimes it's it's not it's not uncommon for you to have to for you to pray and then think well I don't really feel anything happening in situations like that then just take a step um, it's a bit like Elijah and the widow remember when she said um, I've only got a little bit of oil left in this jug and after after I've poured that out well I'm going to die you know 
And Elisha said, well, get all the buckets and receptacles you can get. And, um, and then and he said, right, so then fill them with the little you've got. And so as she poured over the lip, that's when the miracle started. So when we perhaps want to speak in tongues for the first time, uh, I've heard people say, well, I'll speak in tongues if God wants me to. No, you'll speak in tongues if you pour over the lip, the little you have, and you just step out. And that's when the miracle starts. So more words, phrases, sounds come, and you think, hmm, feels like I'm making it up. Well, it is going to feel like that because you, you are speaking as the Holy Spirit gives you as the Holy Spirit enables you. He doesn't take over your vocal cords and you know you have to put your hand over your mouth to stop because it's just uncontinuous uncont- tongues and it's embarrassing in the supermarket. It doesn't work like that. It's, it's we speak as the Holy Spirit enables us. So we have to actually engage with our own vocal cords and our minds and our hearts in a step of faith. I remember when I first started speaking in tongues, I took that step And I thought to myself, well, it feels like I'm making it up. And I said to the Lord, well, because you've said if we ask for the Holy Spirit and I've asked for bread, you're not going to give me a snake. I'm trusting you that what I'm saying is the real deal Uh, because you're not someone who says things and then doesn't give something else. And I just kept going, and I kept going, and I kept going. And since that day, I've never had any further confirmation. I've never had any angels visit me to say, yep, that is the real thing. I've never had any other reassurance. I've trusted the promise. And it's the same with prophecy or any gifts or praying for people for healing or anything. You've got, you've got to take a step. So tonight, when we open the microphone, I, would, I, I hope that some of you will take a step. And God might give you some prophetic word or you might want to bring some, I don't know, just some contribution of something that you feel prompted by the Spirit. And you think, well, how do I know this is God? Well, how did the widow know that it wasn't going to run out? I mean, faith, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? That's what Jesus looks for. He doesn't look for performance. He looks for for faith. And if he can see there's there's faith in us to take the step, even if it feels a bit faltering, where he finds faith, God comes. He comes in an environment of faith. And faith often looks like just taking a step. You think, well, is this right? Um, you took a step of faith this morning, didn't you? Bring in that word. You don't know if it's right, do you? But you, but you took a step. And, uh, and the word you brought this morning, I mean, uh, it was just superb, that word this morning. But to come to somewhere where you don't know everyone, you don't know the context, and you went, boom, took a step. It was great. Really helped, really blessed us. Now tonight, you know, some of us in this room may well have words or encouragements for individuals or for all of us. It may be sort of we can pray in tongues or whatever. We can do, I don't know, whatever. We'll see what the Holy Spirit does. But you get the idea, yeah? So this is that we have to be active in faith, trusting the promise.